I'm Emily Feed, author of This Vicious Grace, coming in summer 2022 from Wednesday Books. And I'm Anna, a teacher and a writer in the Query Trenches. And you're listening to Basic Pitches, where we... Two basic pitches... Break down the basics of writing and being a writer. Mascara. That was about as far as I got. Yes, you're doing so good. I haven't yeah. done anything. I came with custard throat. I am sitting here with Susan. I haven't asked you before the podcast because I know I'm going to pronounce it in such a way that you're like, you're you're trying too hard. Is it Crispel? Crispel? Crispel. Oh, see, I was going to do the Crispel and I was ready for you to be like, that's too much. Tone it down. No, my husband's family, it's his last name. They say it both ways which mm-hmm. drives me crazy. So right. I picked the one that worked for me and that's I what I go it. with. So I say Chris Bell. I love it. It sounds like one of those names. I live in a very um, Appalachian mountain town. So it sounds like one of those names that they'd be like, oh, that's a good old Crispel family. Up <laughs> exactly. The hill. Mm-hmm. His family's from New York. Then his parents moved to Texas and now we're in North Carolina. And so I think that's why they say it any possible way. Well, you understand the like Southern Crispel then. Oh, absolutely. I get all sorts of ways. Or a lot of the time we also get, if I say Chris Bell, they think it's Chris Bell. I'm like, no, oh, no, it's one word. <laughs> it's Chris Bell. Yes. With an L at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, so Susan, can you talk to us about your book that just came out on June 7th that people can buy? I'm assuming wherever books are sold. Yes. The Holloway Girls. Yes. So this is my YA debut. Um, I do have two women's fiction books out as well. But YA is kind of where my heart lies. So I've been working on this book back in 2015 is when I started it. So it's been a very oh. long journey with this one. <laughs> yeah. So thrilled to finally have it out there. It's published by Sourcebooks Fire, who have just been absolutely fantastic to work with. And the story is based on a girl named Remy Holloway, who can give people good luck by kissing them. It's a trait that runs in all the women in her family and her kissing season starts and she goes after the boy she's had a crush on, kisses him, things go badly and she ends up cursing him instead. And now she's got to figure out how to break the curse and get over everything that's happening to him because all these bad things keep following him until she can figure out if it's possible to even break this curse. And then this cute, swoony musician boy moves in next door and she starts to like him and is terrified that she might curse him, too. So she has to stay away from Tobin as much as she can. And he's just too charming for his own good. Oh, I love this so much. (laughs) Thank you. Because I have fallen in love with. I think it was the Caraval thing where Stephanie Garber was like, I'm just want to write a book about kissing and kisses. Yep. And I have fallen in love with books that are like, I just want kisses to be part of the book. It's the thing. Like, not just romance, just kisses all the time. And I yeah. love that. Where, so if we went, if we started with women's fiction, yep. and now we are here in YA, mm-hmm. where did that jump come from? It really came from what I was reading. Um, Uh I have a creative writing degree. I read a lot more what would be considered literature Uh in college. And that's kind of what I was trained to write. And it wasn't my style. It didn't work well for me. And kind of stopped writing when I got out of college because I didn't know what I wanted to do. But I knew I didn't like that style. Right. And 
eventually found some books that I loved and I thought, oh, that's women's fiction. It's it's a little bit easier. I can do that. And right. kind of went that route while I was still, you know, thinking about YA. I read probably, you know, 85% YA and yeah. have for years. And I've been yeah. writing it for a long time. It's just taken me this long to finally get one published. Right, right. Which is what I think our episode we talked about was going to be about, which is keep going. Keep going. Exactly. Oh, my gosh. So this, I mean, this book sounds like the definition of keep going. It Um, is. Seven years in the making. Yep. Uh, Can you (laughs) talk with us about that journey? Because you shared a little bit with me about it, especially those early days. Yeah. Yeah. So. I started writing this one right after I sold, um, I got a two book deal with St. Martin's for my women's fiction Uh and I knew I wanted to write YA. So I had talked with my agent at the time about, you know, some potential projects, pitched her a couple ideas and she really liked this one and I did too. So started running with it and then put it aside because I had to work on the second book on my contract with St. Martin's, Mm -hmm. came back to it and kind of eventually got it knocked out. And the version of that book, I think between that first initial version and what finally got published, the amount of words I've deleted from it, at least equal the number of words that are in the book currently. Like, it's changed so much. Everything I deleted, it's incredible when I look at it. And friends who read early versions or critique partners who read early versions, they talk about stuff. I'm like, oh, that's not in the book anymore. (laughs) Like, that whole thing is gone. That whole character is gone. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I think this book, out of everything I've written, has been the one that's gone through the most change. You know, I normally know when I start a book what I want it to be. I'm definitely a plotter. So I've got serious outlines and I stick to them for the most part. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the book I end up with, at least at the first draft, is what I expected to. Yeah. Definitely doesn't stay that way. Right. (laughs) But, you know, it it is what I wanted it to be. And this initial book was two different timelines. Um, It had a bunch of extra characters in it that are gone now. And the kissing season, which is kind of the time period when the Holloway girls can give luck to people. The magic of it changed somewhat. The time periods Uh it worked changed. And some of it was because I wanted to change it. Some of it was my agents wanting to change it. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I went through three serious versions of it with my first agent. And we eventually, you know, mutually agreed, you know, amicably parted ways, partly over this book, because we just couldn't figure out what to do. And we had very different visions for it. Yeah, that was going to be my question was three I've known some people who have gone through major revisions and several major revisions. I know someone who went through iteration after iteration where they were like, add in this. No, take that out. Maybe try this. And like, it's not a overhaul, right? These sound right. like three overhauls. Yeah. Two of them were pretty big overhauls uh, with my first agent. And it was just trying to figure out what worked. Yeah. She couldn't really help me pinpoint what wasn't working. So it was just let's try this, let's try that, let's, you know, get rid of this character, which, you know, I agreed with, that character's gone. Yeah. Um, 
but some of it I wasn't willing to change. Like the kissing magic was one thing she had asked me to change. And I thought, no, that's the whole point of the book for me. That's why I want to write it. And if I take it out, then I don't think I want to keep working yeah. on it. I don't know what the book is anymore. And so yeah. we parted ways and then I kind of hit this wall of like, do I want to keep going? How do I go on when my agent who I adored, like she's a fantastic agent and I still refer people to her because she was wonderful. Yeah. And we just couldn't agree on this book. And I was like, all right, what do I do now? That's so hard that, I mean, I, I, I have heard your story is not an uncommon one. I think to like, you know, let people know they're not alone, that parting with agents amicably is a thing that happens. But it, yeah. to me, it's so daunting that it's even a thing, right? Because oh yeah, what a scary, and it seems scary, but necessary step. Right. It was, especially for me, because I, you know, I didn't know what else to do. And she was super nice about it and was like, listen, yeah. if we can't come to an agreement, you know, maybe the best thing for you is for you to find somebody else who might help better yeah. than I can. And, you know, I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to be agentless. I'd worked so hard to get an agent and writers know how hard that is and how scary <laughs> it is to be in the query trenches. Mm -hmm. it, it's horrible. Like having just <laughs> been out of the query trenches for yeah. all of like less than a month. It's horrifying for me to think about being like, well, I guess this didn't work. I'll go back there again. Right. That to me seems like I, I don't know where I'm at. It, it, I admire you so much for doing it because to me, it seems like a thing that I would just be like, well, this is it. I'm done. I guess it goodbye dream. It was nice right. while you lasted. Yeah. And I, I absolutely had that thought and I texted my husband when it happened with my agent. We parted ways over email and I texted him to tell him and he goes, have you sent out a new query yet? <laughs> I was like, oh, thank God. Somebody believes in me. This is oh, awesome. <laughs> I oh, what a good bean. <laughs> yes. Like it was not what I was expecting from him. And it was just one of those like, oh, OK, he doesn't think my career's over. I huh. guess I should try again. <laughs> oh, yeah. So okay. I mean, that's one of the things I will tell any writer is find your people, whether it's writing friends, family, significant other, whoever that supports yeah. you when you're having a bad day, just to have somebody there to kind of pick you up and tell you it's okay. And, right. you know, not to stop. That is massive to know that you're not alone. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Cause we all know we'll get there at some point or another with something we'll be, right. we'll be at that rock bottom and we'll need people who will, who will not even think about the negative repercussions of it. They'll be like, well, this is the natural course of things. Who's your next agent? Who's lined right. up? Right. Like I can, exactly. I can definitely tell my, my husband would be that person who's like, all right, so who else? Those agents who requested, you going to send to them again? Because they're probably chomping. Like, he would be that person while I'm like, it's all over. Right. Oh. And it, it, it's hard when you're in that position to, you know, see the light at the end of the tunnel and to have somebody else be like, no, it's there. You'll see it eventually. Don't yeah. stop now is so important to find if you can. Right. Um. I'm sure we're going to talk about it on a future episode or a past episode. Podcasts are like time travel. I'm like <laughs> for all I'm concerned. Um, but at some point we're going to talk about it. 
but there is a thing, um, a book that I love that I, uh, by, by an author that I love and somebody who works in the podcast, podcasting community and it's fire the haters by Jillian Johnsrud. And it is all about, and she's, she says fire the haters. Like she's, you know, she has this persona of like fire the haters, but she's more like, no, fire the haters. Like, (laughs) you know, if people don't ask about you, then that's okay. You don't answer them. Like her whole thing is looking for those people who ask questions about you and who are curious about you and who want to support you. And those are the people that you should keep close because those will, those are the people who will lift you up too. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's such a great philosophy. Right. It kind of like opened my like opened my eyes to it of, okay, this is stop seeking permission from other people and know that you have a crew of people around you who are going to say, no, you can do it. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So we go through three major overhauls. You're exhausted. I'm painting a story in my head. You're exhausted. You're tired. You're almost broken. We're going back into the query trenches. And I say all this because it has a happy ending. Um, Right. (laughs) So we go back into the query trenches. Yep. So I think I queried 10 new agents over the period of like two weeks. Uh Um, Got a few responses very quickly for fulls or partials. And my now agent, Jenny Bent, was one of those. She responded within a couple hours of me sending it to her. <laughs> and, Sorry. <yeah. laughs> this yeah. is like, yeah, like Jenny was one of those, has always been kind of the pie in the sky dream agent. Right. And it's one of those, never really thought I had a shot, but my husband was like, who are you sending it to? I was like, well, I'm going to send it to Jenny Bent. <laughs> and she responded and she really liked the idea. And she wrote me back maybe a week or two later, like it was an incredibly fast read wow. and it was an R and R, which was awesome, but also heartbreaking. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? I've, I've done so much work and this book is l- trying to break me. Yeah. If I do it one more time and it fails, I don't know that I'll go on, Oh no. <laughs> but her, and her email, it wasn't just, if you revise this, send it back. It was bullet points of here's exactly what I see you could do with this book. And after, you know, months and months of working with my former agent and us kind of going in circles and not being on the same page, it was amazing to have an agent see to the heart of my book and be able to tell me, I think I know how to fix this. (laughs) Yeah, like such a relief, (laughs) even knowing that there was a lot of work to come. Oh, man. Yeah. How, as as someone who feels very dubiously about R&Rs, for the most part, they can work. And this is an excellent example of how they can work, especially when they give you such specific feedback. Right. Because they get it. They do. And R&Rs are super scary because you could do everything they want and they could still not love it and say no. Exactly. I always think it's worth taking the chance because at least you've got their attention and they're interested enough to give you real feedback and want to read it again. So why not try it? You know, still query others, too. But don't give up on this one yet. Oh, my gosh. There's so many people that I talk to sometimes and I get it. Sometimes we're exhausted and we don't have the bandwidth for something. I'm I'm not speaking to that. So that's 
that's a case in scenario. Yeah, if you don't have the bandwidth, you're good. Go on. But like if you do have the bandwidth, I think sometimes people to me, it seems like we're a little too precious with the work. It's like, yeah, you have this document saved. <laughs> just because you make revisions doesn't mean that this one just poof disappears. Exactly. Go for it. Like shoot your shot. And like you said, query other agents or decide, ooh, these are really big changes that I want to make. I'll pause querying, make these changes. Yep. It's time. You have time. Exactly. And if you don't agree with it, that's one thing. Like don't yeah. do an R and R if it's something you don't want to do for your book. But if yeah. you like it and you can see the benefit of what their vision is and you think, oh yeah, if I do this, it'll be even better. Then right. you know if they say yes and sign you then you've got a champion who aligns with your writing and your vision for this book. And you're going to be in an even better position when you go out on sub, which is a whole scary thing all on its own. Right. That, I mean, that right there lets you know, that's a, it's a rare opportunity to work with somebody before signing with them to know, Oh, okay. We both see the same things here. We both are getting this. I like the way they gave me this feedback. Yeah. I yeah. like the way that they were really in tuned. It wasn't just a form R&R kind of thing. Like, I like this. Please change these things and I'll reconsider. It was, you know, the detailed feedback. I Yeah. Oh, every time you tell something about your story, my stomach drops and then lifts a little <laughs> bit. It's like R&R. <sighs> and then it's like specific R&R. <gasps> right. Yeah. It's one of those, another, that it keeps you going. That the right. R&R is scary, but it was something that, made so much sense to me and opened my eyes to this story in a new way that I was like, oh yeah, I want to work on this. But yeah. I was mentoring in Pitch Wars at the time. I think it was in October. And so I was mentoring. I was like, well, my mentee's book's the most important thing right now. So I'll get to it later. Oh no. And then didn't work on my R&R until after Pitch Wars was over in February. So oh. like three or four months. And then I got to it and Hardcore worked on my revision, sent it back to Jenny. She read it, you know, I think within a week or so and yeah. called or emailed and was like, hey, I want to chat. <laughs> and, you know, had a fantastic call with her about the changes I had made. And she still had other things she wanted me to do to it. But she really liked how I incorporated her feedback and decided that she wanted to work with me. Wow. So, yeah. Like it, wow. all of that work worked out in the end, but it, it was hard getting there. And yeah, know, there were still other big revisions past that. I was <laughs> like, going to say, <laughs> it doesn't stop. <laughs> I was going to ask timidly. Yeah. <laughs> what was that revision process like after? Yeah. So Jenny is really editorial, which I love. You know, mm -hmm. I like collaborating with my agent and figuring out how to make a story better. Yeah. I know where my weaknesses are. And even knowing them, I still miss it in my books. Until mm -hmm. somebody points it out, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm really bad about that. But right. I know how to fix it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a perfect combo, right? Uh, right? Yeah, I know this is something I'm not good at, but I have tools and I can fix this. This is fine. Thank you yes. for pointing it out. <laughs> exactly. Oh, so my gosh. I did one big revision with her, you know, not major overhaul at that stage, but, you know, refining things, fixing gaps in the plot from my last revision. Yeah. And then, you know, a couple smaller things, you know, line editing that I did with her before it went on sub. 
and went on submission mm-hmm. about a week and a half before I moved to Scotland for a year, which I would say the perfect time to move countries and uphaul your entire life is when you're going on submission because you're not worried at all about what your book's doing. You were like, I got to figure out how to get into a different country, where we're going to live, what we're going to do. <laughs> I don't care about you right now. <laughs> right. There are scarier things on the horizon book than an editor yeah. reading this. I don't care. <laughs> exactly. And that was fall of 2019. Then COVID hit. And I had one of the agent or one of the editors we went to was the editor from my women's fiction books who had moved imprints um, basically right before my first book with her actually came out. She left to go to a different imprint. Oh. So we submitted to her and she wanted some revisions done and then she went on maternity leave. So we waited like I worked on this <sighs> massive overhaul for her, which was taking out the dual timeline that was initially in the book, reworking how the magic worked and like trying to streamline the whole story and, you know, trying to figure out how to make all of that work when it was completely changing the structure of my book was crazy to me. Like that was one of the hardest parts of this was like, what do I do now? Cause it now feels like a completely different book. Yeah. That, Hmm. That's interesting because obviously you've talked about some things that you weren't willing to change, like the kissing magic, right? But this is something that you were willing to change, but is totally, as someone who writes like as multi-point of views, I, all of my books are multi-point of view. Yeah. Um, It's, it's almost the same thing as somebody saying, all right, take one of them out and make it one point of view. It's very similar where it's like, this is going to destroy everything my book is about and the way I have done it. And now I have to remake this thing. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And I agreed with a lot of the points that she and Jenny both had about why it might work better in a streamlined fashion. So I was willing to do the work on it, but at the same time also felt like I was losing part of it and kept hitting roadblocks with that revision because I was like, am I changing too much? Am I going to be happy with this story at the end of the day? Cause I've Mm. lost so much of what I initially wanted in here. Right. And then the more I worked on it, the more I realized, oh, yeah, that's the right decision. <laughs> <laughs> Things are falling into place finally that haven't been working before. And maybe that was why. Right, right. I And this is so I think this is so valuable for people to see and for myself to see, because I'm always so concerned with getting it right on the first go around. And like even just having gone through pitch wars, right? This is an example, I think, because pitch wars is supposed to be like a, like a microcosm of publishing. And it is to an extent where you and your mentor can work on a book until it is perfect, Yeah. but it's just perfect for you two. Or maybe there's something there that both of you can't figure out that you're like, uh, it's not quite hitting or whatever, like that can happen. And that's okay. Like a book is not supposed to be bunny ears quotes, perfect at any point in And at any point in time, even when it publishes, it's not perfect. It's subjective. Yep, exactly. And I think that's a hard thing as writers to learn or to take in as part of your writing process. Yeah. Is how do you just get words on a page? Yeah. How do you stop letting all of the fear of is it good or is it publishable get in the way of you finishing the draft? Right. And then 
finishing the revision or however many revisions there are. Right. <laughs> Whether yeah. it's one or in your case, many. Right. Oh my gosh. I am astounded. Like I am just in awe of you of revising. <laughs> That's I am a person who loves to revise. I am very much like as soon as as soon as Pitch Wars was done, a couple of my friends were like, I'm exhausted. I can't go on. And I'm like, I'm ready to go. Like, if an agent <laughs> signed me today, give me that edit letter now. Let's You're go. You're ready. Yeah. And, but even I would be exhausted. I would be like, I don't know. I don't know anything. My story is about macaroni and cheese now. I know nothing. Yep. And I, I think I went through that for a bit. And when that editor came back from maternity leave, she was going to read it quickly and, you know, she's getting back from being out for a month. So it was taking her longer to get to. And eventually she passed on it, which was heartbreaking because I put in all this work based on <gasps> her notes. And I thought, crap, what's going to happen now? Like, yeah. Is it just going to die out there? And we had had interest from Sourcebooks Fire. We knew they were reading it. Mm-hmm. And I, at that point, I was just like, OK, this this book is going to be the death of me. It's never going to go anywhere. It's tried to kill me so many times. Maybe this is just it for this book. Yeah. And then I I got another pass email from my agent one evening. And maybe 20 minutes later, I got, hey, this is a good news email. Open it right now. Ah! <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry, wait, we have good news finally? Wait a minute, I just had bad news. <laughs> right. And so it was, you know... It, a fantastic way to get over this other pass with yeah. an offer from source books with, you know, really lovely things to say about the book. And I thought, Oh, finally, like there's somebody out there who gets my book and mm-hmm. loves it. And these, I mean, at that point it was 2020. So five years of working on this book, it, somebody loves it. That's amazing. Oh my <laughs> gosh. And you have to love a book to work on it for that long. You have yep. to. I don't and, know if I love any of my books. <laughs> no, I'm sure you do. No, I think most authors do. But you also hit the point of, have I read it too many times? Yeah. Is, do I, I have another book I love? Of. Yeah. <laughs> that's absolutely, I think that's where, and that's like hearing your story is like, I've read it too many times. And like, I understand there is this process of, you know, people say it on Twitter all the time where they're like, love your book a lot because you're going to read it a lot. Yeah. That's expected, but like your story of, you would have to have some tools and you would have to have some tricks up your sleeve to be like, all right, (laughs) once more into the fray, here (laughs) we go. Open and Scrivener, open and Word doc. Let's do it again. Yes. Oh, I will um, say Scrivener is a dream for, at least for me as a writer, just when I was doing these massive overhauls, being able to just drag scenes and drop them somewhere. And move yes. it around and play with the timeline and not lose everything. Like we were saying earlier, it's not gone. It's just not currently on the page. So if I yeah. need it, I can always pull it back in. That's what makes um. That's my number one tip for the kill your darlings thing. Mm-hmm. Like if there is a scene that you have to take out, like your dual timeline, right? I'm sure there's things in there that you're like, I love this so much and I can't yeah. keep it. That's where it... I have a, I have a doc titled orphanage and like word orphanage. And it's like, it just goes there. And then one day it will be used somewhere else. Like it will sit in the back of my subconscious, but it's still there. It exists. I'm not hitting delete and then save. That's the beauty of Scrivener. You're so right on that. 
Yeah. And, and you're so right about like moving timelines. I have, that's been the biggest thing of doing dual point of view since I started using Scrivener is I can actually be like, what would happen if I move this scene up here? And what would happen if I put this point of view after this one? Oh, yeah. And you can see it immediately without having to scroll through everything. I mean, I edit in Word once I'm working with my editor Mm -hmm. because that's the way they want it back. Yes. I'm working on revision for book two right now. I've put it back in Scrivener so that I can do all of my major overhauling there. And then I'll put it back in Word and copy all of her comments back where they go if the scene is still there. Right, right. I love that. That's such a, mm, I, mm, at some point we, I may, uh, I may nudge you to be like, hello, can you show me how to do that? Uh, yeah. Cause that's, I've been thinking about that too of, I know, I know for, you know, for the first time, like my agent is reading my book and I'm yeah. like, Oh, we're about to get more comments than we've ever seen in our entire <laughs> life. <laughs> okay. How do we, how do we merge these two yeah. going back and forth? And I think, yeah, I may nudge you later. <laughs> okay, yeah, I can tell you at least how I do it. <laughs> that would be great because I don't know anything. I get so frustrated with inline comments and track edits that I most of the time stop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I know that's a big thing. Um, but off the topic of that, um, do you have, what are some other tips and tricks? Because you mentioned some things in your email that I was like, hmm, this is fascinating and I love this. And I think people need to know, like, when you are in this stage of this book is going to kill me, I can't do this anymore, or I have to jump back in the query trenches, or I'm in the query trenches again, and I've never had an agent. In those times where it is tough to just keep going, what are some tips and tricks that you have? Yeah, I'll say the things that worked for me, and you know, general caveat that goes, I think, with most writing advice is, it's what works for me. If it works for you, great. Yeah. If it doesn't, totally ignore it and figure out what does work for you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But for me, I think a lot of it, as I mentioned earlier, was, you know, finding your people, find writing partners. If you don't have them, definitely, you know, I found mine through taking some online classes. I've Uh also met others through Twitter. Like we just interacted and eventually we're like, hey, I like you. (laughs) Want to maybe be critique partners? (laughs) Love people like that. As an introvert, love people who are like, hello, can we be friends? Check yes or no. And I'll say, I am super introverted too. And every once in a while, I'll kind of break out and be like, no, I really need to find a way to be friends with this person because otherwise it's not going to happen. Right. (laughs) But yeah, once you find your people and have cheerleaders, you know, I I wrote book two on this contract over about, I think, a three or four month period. And the only reason it got done was because I checked in with my friends, like my critique partners on Slack every couple of days. We shared excerpts that weren't for critique. It was just, this is what I wrote this week and I'm kind of proud of it. Or I wrote this this week and I got words on the page and really that's the best I did, but they're words. And it was cheerleading. It was, I love this, great job, keep going. And, you know, having somebody there who's just on your side always and willing to pick you up when you need it is amazing. I, that, that, that was a big thing during pitch wars this time around was, um, we had a small little discord group of some of us, um, hashtag IWBS. Um, (laughs) but they, uh, 
it became the place where we could just post little screenshots or little blurbs. And then we had little inside jokes that we all kind of wove into our manuscripts. And Oh, I love that. Like, yeah, we had, we had a really great time and it was, it was, there was time to ask for critique, but there was also time to just be like, anybody doing a writing session right now? Let's go. Um, I'm yeah. struggling with this thing. Can you help me right now? And then somebody was there inevitably at all hours to be like, I'm here. I don't know what I know, but I can help. And right. it was amazing. Amazing. Yeah. And knowing that they're in it just the same way you are, you know, mm-hmm. having outside writer, you know, outside of writers, friends is wonderful because they're going to support yes. you no matter what. But having writer friends who actually are doing what you're doing and are struggling the same way you are, you know, maybe somebody's gone through it before and can help get you out of it or just somebody to commiserate with. And you end up the call and everyone feels better because you're like, well, I got it all out. Now I'm ready to go again. Yes, for real. It's such that has been a massive shift for me this past year is a shift towards I have my, you know, personal in real life friends, if you will, like I have them, but I can't go to them and talk about anything in writing other than like the funny memory. And beyond that, they're like, I don't I They'll be there and they'll listen, but they can't commiserate. And that's right. so important to the process. It is. Yeah. Because, you know, just talking to somebody who's a little farther ahead than you mm-hmm. gives you that perspective of, OK, they stuck it out. They kept going. I can, too. And when right. you're friends with them, it's easier to have that mentality of, yep, I'll keep going. Cause yes. They are not going to let me give up. So I can't give up. Now I'm not going to let myself give up because I don't want to disappoint them. You know, if that's your whole mentality, as long as you get it done to me, you know, the end result is what matters. Right, right. That was such a huge thing for me just personally, which I know is probably not very healthy. So nobody else do this. Uh, I'm not going to (laughs) tell you what to do, but don't do it. But it was that mentality of I have to I have to keep going and I have to keep trying because so many people believe in me and so many people support me and shout out to me. And I'm like, I don't know why I'm just three gremlins in a trench coat, but (laughs) I'm going to keep going and trying and when I get it, it's like I told my husband when when I got an agent, I was like, I feel like I didn't just get an agent. I felt like we all did. Right. Like I felt like I we it was a, we did it. Like it's I had a, a group whole, effort. We yeah, it was like a we did it, fam. Like all of us because you supported, and that's just so powerful. Yeah. <sighs> so yeah, other than like finding your people and just cheering each other on and commiserating, whatever you need to do. For me, I'm also super kind of rewards driven, Mm, even mm -hmm. if it's, oh, I hit my word count today. I can have a piece of chocolate or I hit my word count today. I can read for half an hour. Yes. It's whatever motivates you to get words on the page. Um, I use a tracker that no longer exists, which breaks my heart, but it's still on my phone. Um, Yeah. And I think it's called Wordometer. Uh And you could go in, put in your project, put in your goals and track what you do every day. Wow. Or if you take a day off, like it shows you, you took a day off and shows your writing streaks. And for me, I didn't want to be shamed by this stupid thing on my phone that I missed a day. (laughs) You didn't want to have that little pop-up that's like, hello, where are you at, Susan? (laughs) Right. And I mean, it sounds stupid, but it worked. And then wow. I I use a planner. So uh-huh. I would put a little sticker. Like if I wrote today, I got my sticker. 
or eventually I changed to stickers where I had to write the word count for the day. But I put my stickers on every single day when I started the week. And I was like, well, I can't waste a sticker because it's already in there and I paid for it. So I have to write words to fill out the stupid sticker. Oh my gosh. The level of like, I don't know, like the level of psychological <laughs> trauma that you did. No, I'm just kidding. But for real though, you're like, I don't want to be shamed by this app. And also I paid money for this sticker. So I have, I love that. Like for me, it's whatever I have to do to make sure I get it done. Because yeah. I'd much rather go and watch a TV show or read a book or do something that's not work after I've worked at my day job all day, you know? So I know there are lots of people out there that like, oh, I'm so tired. I don't have time. How do I make myself do it? These are my tips for how to make yourself do it. Find something that forces you to do it, you know, in a happy, polite way. You know, my phone doesn't yell at me. My sticker doesn't yell at me. But I look at it and like, oh, yeah, I should have done something. Now I have to write before I go to bed or I'm going to be mad at myself when I see that that's sitting there empty. Right. Here's the sticker. And it's just sad because it's a lie. <laughs> yep. Every once in a while, I would just put a little frowny face on it. Oh. <laughs> like if I didn't make it, I was like, all right, that was a bad day. Oh, my gosh. OK, I might pull I might pull the sticker method. I'm <laughs> soon revisions will be happening for me. Um, and I know I think I will need some boosts, even though yeah. I love revisions very much. I think I will need it to be like, hello, did you work on this today, even though it was difficult? Yep. Okay. It's Here's still, your gift. It's still work, even if you enjoy it. So mm-hmm. you know, don't beat yourself up over it, but also, you know, make yourself stick to your goals if you're the type of person that needs to, you know, be told to stick to them like I am. I have right. goals, but if I'm tired, you know, it's way too easy to just not do it. Absolutely. And absolutely. That is, it's so easy to just be like, I'm tired today. I'll try again tomorrow. And then tomorrow you're tired today. So you'll try again tomorrow. I'm very much someone who can fall into that. Yeah. And those days are absolutely needed. So mm -hmm. definitely not saying work yourself to death. Like I should have been working on my revision today. And instead I went to the beach. (laughs) Yeah. Today was a day where I got nothing done, but I needed a day to get nothing done. And I don't feel bad about it. Yeah, I keep thinking about my book all day. So it's, you know, in a revision, it's going around in my head. So it's not a totally lost day. But it's like a conscious choice. Yeah, you need that. It's a conscious choice because you needed it. You it wasn't a thing of like, oh, I'm I'm tired. I don't really feel like it. Like there's a difference between I don't really feel like it, which I do all the time. I'm calling myself out of, (laughs) you know, I don't really feel it today. I'm just not inspired. Like it's that whole thing of, oh yeah, (laughs) no, 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 no. We're going to try. We're going to try and pick at something. Um, I had a cat Corpy who just went through pitch wars as well, had a fantastic, um, plan for how to like treat herself whenever pitch wars stuff or whenever querying. Right. Yeah. And Whenever there was um, bad news or good news in her query inbox, she got herself a treat. So she would nice. go get like a fruity coffee or whatever. Um, and it didn't matter, bad news or good news. And not just like on like small queries. I think hers was like for passes, like for big revisions or, you know, a yeah. big, if she got a big, if she got a full request, that was great news. If she got a full rejection, that was bad news. But they all got the same reward. So it wasn't, it's rewarding yeah. yourself for doing the work. Right whether it's good or bad. Yeah. And I think that's really important to remember too is, and I've, I've 
tried to stop using the word rejection uh-huh. and just say it was a pass yes. because rejection has such bad connotations and it we Sorry, have to my stop. heart every yes. time we talk about this I yeah, you listen to the podcast right yeah so, I do. <laughs> okay so I'm tearing up a little bit and everybody who listens to the podcast might know why but I love hearing this yeah and I think you know as writers we do have to take care of ourselves because it is easy to you know get bogged down in how hard it is or how disappointing it is to not reach your goals or to have a pass come in one it's one you really were excited about yes. so to to not treat it like it's the end of the world which you know we want to <laughs> you know it yes. breaks your heart when you get a really bad pass so you know let yourself be like okay that sucked move on and right. do something that allows you to pick up the pieces and go on quicker Exactly. Exactly. I think we, if anybody is listening who likes this content um, we're about to have or will have or have had, I'm not sure again, time travel, but there's this great couple of episodes that we're going to be doing, which is about more on the keep going and how it kind of relates to why you're doing it in the first place. You know, why are you writing in the first place and surrounding yourself with people who have similar thoughts and vibes about writing, you know, is it to hit the New York times bestseller list? Is it to just write a really good story and learn about craft? Is it to, you know, put books in the hands of young readers who need it? What is that reason? And then whatever that reason is, stay true to that reason, you know, and that can kind of keep you that and your collective community can kind of keep you going. Oh, that sounds True. awesome. I can't wait to hear these. <laughs> it's going to be fun. I'm very excited. Like, I'm very, very excited to nerd out and dig deep into some stuff. Oh, nice. And this will be a nice, like, primer episode or somewhere <laughs> where we'll, we'll tuck it in. It's going to be great. Um, Because I want to know about it. What is Aquanotes? <laughs> oh, oh, so this, you're about to start a revision. This is my absolute favorite thing for revisions. They are a waterproof notepad that you can buy on the big A store that we're not going to name, but they're waterproof notepads and a pencil. You put it in your shower and you can sit there and write while you're in the shower and then rip off your page and go to your computer and continue working on your book. Shut up. Right. I know. Shut up. It's life changing. I promise you. (laughs) I'm on my third notepad. Like when I moved to Scotland, I took one with me because I was not about to leave the U.S. without it. And then I had to buy another one when I was there because I finished it. And now I have another one that I'm home. Like it, It's amazing. And oh so many gosh. people, right, you think when you're in the shower yeah. and everyone's like, oh, I had this great idea and I forgot by the time I got out. Not anymore. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> As someone who frantically and probably like not very safe. I will use the voice to text feature on my phone or I'll leave myself voice messages. <laughs> While you're I am that shower. person who's like, I'm driving and suddenly I have an idea and I'm like, I can't pull over. I don't have right. time for that. So here we go. <laughs> like, yeah. Okay. Aqua notes. Yep. Check them out. Like it, it's the way I did my last round of revisions for the Holloway girls is I was thinking, you know, I'd get up in the morning, I would work on it, go shower before my day job started. And because I'd been working on it before I got in the shower, like it was all still going. Characters were still talking. Scenes were playing out. And I'm just standing in there writing. And my husband's like, are you okay in there? Like, I'm good. I'm I'm good. I'm writing. I'll be out in a bit. (laughs) I'm working on my book. 
and like the number of times I've come out of that with a couple hundred words that I could then type up and keep going is amazing. So highly recommend them to anybody who gets ideas in the shower and forgets them by the time you're done. Okay. That's like triple quadruple circled on my <laughs> uh, notebook here. Aqua notes. Cause there's something valuable about that time where you don't have anything in your hands. Yep. You know, you can't, you can't do anything else. Yeah. And your brain's just doing its thing. And wow. yeah. And then you don't lose it. I am. Okay. okay. <laughs> I am loving this. I am loving this. I'm like, I'm, I'm shook. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Like that just derailed all of my ability to like guide a podcast period. <laughs> this is amazing. Okay. I'm sorry. I broke basic pitches. You broke basic <laughs> pitches. We're done for. We'll never be the same again. <laughs> you know, basic pitches really went down after that Susan. <laughs> and it's just couldn't form sentences. It was weird. um so leading back to our happy ending after we have used these tools after we've used aqua notes the beauty of aqua notes and we've used the power (laughs) of friendship holloway girls came out in june 7th of this year how are you doing how are you feeling how has it been yeah it's been great like i'm it because this book took so long for me to get right and to get out there you know i'm just thrilled that it's finally on shelves that somebody you know a publisher was like oh yeah I actually really like this story we want to put it out there for you I love it it's so great just to see it on shelves to know that people are reading it um to know how much work went into it and that I really at one point thought I might just give up writing altogether because this book was breaking me and that I didn't let it and I kept going I'm like okay fine I did it once I know if I ever get into that position again I'll know how to get out of it, or at least that there is a path out of it if I take enough time to find it. Right. And you know that there is, there is something waiting at the end, right? Right. Like it can go somewhere and it likely will go somewhere if you just keep going. Right. You know, (sighs) so much about publishing is luck. I hate Mm. to say it. It, It's super frustrating as a writer to hear that. Yeah. The only thing we have control over is the words. So you got to write your book, do the best you can. And then you just have to hope that you get lucky enough that it hits the right person at the right time. And there's nothing you can do about that as the author. You just have to, you know, find a way to say, okay, it's out of my hands now. I've done the Mm -hmm. best I can. I put in the work and hopefully someone out there will love it enough to take it from here. I wrote that quote down that all we can focus on is the words like that is all we can control. And I think especially nowadays where you're encouraged, not forced, not told to, but you are encouraged to embrace TikTok and Instagram (laughs) and Twitter and how those things invite in the mean old comparison game. And you can be as great at artfully dodging that as possible. But I think when you can get yourself to focus on all I can control are the words. All I can control is this book itself. Everything else is just magic on top. Right. And, you know, not everybody's going to love your book. 
even mm-hmm. if you find an agent and find a publisher and everybody's like, oh, this book's fantastic. It'll do great. You're still going to have people who hate it. Yes. You know? <laughs> yes. So don't read your reviews. Like I know mm-hmm. everybody says that if you're if you really don't care and you're super strong, you know, if you want to go for it. But right. it's not for the faint of heart. No. I don't read them. Um, now, I would love to say that I'm strong enough to. But especially with this book, because it was so hard to get out there. I'm like, what if all of that work really screwed it up? And yeah. somehow I convinced a publisher it's actually great when really it's terrible. <laughs> you know? Like, I'm not going to read anything. It's out there now. It's for the readers. Hopefully they love yes. it. And if they don't, hopefully they find other books that they do. Exactly. On my on my very like days, like bad days where I don't feel very good about myself as a writer, I go and find like my favorite author and my favorite yeah. book. And then I go find the one star reviews and I yes. read those. And I'm like, yeah, all right. Right. You know, <laughs> if, if they can get a one star review, it's fine. Absolutely. And a one star review isn't going to kill you. You know, no. somebody didn't like your book. Oh, well, yeah. I'm sure we've all read books that we hated that other people thought were amazing. Exactly. So you just got to remember it's subjective and write the book you want to write. And, you know, if you get revision notes that don't align with it, see if you can find, you know, a compromise with your agent or your editor or whoever it is that's asking you to change it. Right. And if you can't find a different path or, you know, stand up for yourself and what the, your vision is. You are such a badass. Of- <laughs> Just because you're both of those things. You did both of those things. You stood up for yourself. You you said, I don't agree with these. Let's try and find a compromise. And when it didn't work, you said, okay, it's time to try something else. And you did both paths, which are so scary. Yeah. And now there's a beautiful book on the shelf behind you that has your name on it and your title. And it is a beautiful cover of a beautiful book. And Thank you. Oh, what if I cry? <laughs> You're such an inspiration. I love this. Thank you. Yeah, I hope it helps other writers because, I mean, I've I've had low points and I just want people to know, like, you can get out of them. You just can't give up. Mm -hmm. Like, that's the only way you lose in this game is if you stop. And some people need to stop for mental health or they really just know, all right, I wanted to do this and now I don't want to do it anymore. That's totally fine. I'm Mm -hmm. not telling people to stick with it if it's making them miserable. Yeah. But if you love it and you want it badly, you know, keep trying. If it's not this book, maybe it'll be the next book or the next book. And each book teaches you something as a writer. You Mm -hmm. grow and, you know, hopefully one day the book will be right. The time will be right. And all the stars align and that luck comes into play. And, you know, then all of your hard work is finally going to pay off. You just have to make it to that point. And right. do whatever you can to keep yourself going. Oh, uh, you don't have to say anything because I know like sometimes there are secret secrets in publishing. So what can we expect from you next? What's going on now? Yes. So Holloway Girls came out on June 7th. And then on June 8th, I got my edit letter for book two. <gasps> so yeah, it was <laughs> one of those. Okay, celebrate real quick. And then dive into an edit letter and you've got a month to turn your revisions around. Susan, doing it again. <laughs> Susan, doing it again. <laughs> yeah. And I will say, luckily, my revisions for book two are not massive. You know, it's a lot of yeah. character work and kind of digging into why some of the characters 
are doing certain things that are making the main character like driving her arc. So it's taken me some time to wrap my brain around that. But so jumping into those revisions very quickly, that book uh, will be out probably next May or June. I don't have a date yet. We are, I have a title, but I'm not going to say that yet because hopefully we'll get to announce that soon. I know a cover is in the works. I've seen like the initial sketch and it is gorgeous. So like, I'm super excited about everything for this book. And it's kind of a twist on fake dating where a girl has pretended to date a boy who she met this one time because he was cute and he didn't live there. No one would know that she wasn't really dating him. And then she breaks up with him online so that she can date the boy she's actually crushing on. And then her fake ex-boyfriend shows up in real life and is like, hey, why'd we break up? Ah! So, <laughs> it's going to ah! be a little twisty and fun, I hope. Um, it's definitely like a lighter rom-com, which is what I needed to be writing after the pandemic. I just needed something light and fluffy that made me happy. And this book was it. And luckily, my publisher was totally on board with it. I love that so much. <laughs> I think the thing I love about this is that after hearing your whole story, it is this blessed, cursed kind of thing yeah. of after years and years of like pushing and pushing and pushing and nothing happening and nothing happening. Now it's like all the things happen. Yeah. <laughs> but that's amazing, though. Yeah. Thank you. I'm excited about it. I'm working on revisions now. And... Hopefully we'll get them done on time. I've got about two and a half, three weeks left. Oh my gosh. Yeah. What are you doing still talking to me? <laughs> Having no, a fantastic bye -bye. time chatting. <laughs> it's been I mean, a good break. Right. I was going to say this. Hopefully this has been like a lovely break. Oh, that you're absolutely. Like, <laughs> yes. Oh, well, I am so excited for you. And I'm so excited for all the things that are on the horizon for you. And this has been such a wonderful, like I am... I love when I listen to a podcast or I listen to a talk or I read a book that makes me excited to go back to writing. And that's what this has kind of done where it's like, okay, I'm ready to do it. I'm ready. I'm like excited to dive back into this thing. Okay. That makes me happy. And I know you've worked so hard on your book. I know what goes into Pitch Wars books. I've been on both sides <laughs> of that. And I am super mm -hmm. excited that you've got an agent and you're getting revision soon. And you're now a little bit farther along on the path. And Yay. keeping my fingers crossed for you, because every time you post about your book on Twitter, I'm like, <laughs> I really want to read this book. Why isn't oh, it out yet? <laughs> thank you so much. That means a lot. That means that means a lot, a lot. Um, yeah, I, I've I've gotten more comfortable with like, putting things on Twitter and then <laughs> having, you know, people be interested in that is like just very heartwarming. Cause it is a very, like, it, it reminds me a lot of your book where it's like, this is a very me story and I feel very passionately about it. So yeah, when people say they like it, it's almost like, they're like, I also like you. And I'm like, right. I, have two, I have two gremlins in a trench coat. Why? <laughs> Thank you. Well, Susan, Maybe we'll have to have you on the podcast again after your second book to see how that process turned out compared to this one. <laughs> I would love that. <laughs> have a read, like have a, it, it'll be the quickest episode ever because you'll be right. like, the process was totally different. Bye. <laughs> like I wrote a book. My editor liked it. I've revised it. We're good. <laughs> it's done. That was our episode with Susan Crystal. <laughs> um, usually we end the podcast episode with, you can pitch your book very badly, or you can say one thing that brought you joy this week. It does not have to be writing related. Oh, 
think I'm going to go with what brought me joy this week. And it is actually writing related because I hit a major wall with my revision and didn't know what I was going to do. And then just started writing ideas down on a piece of paper at like 10 o'clock one night. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just throwing stuff out here. And I woke up in the morning and I read it and I was like, oh, well, if I take this piece from this and this piece from this, I think I might have an idea how to fix this book. Yes. And then went, redid my whole outline and wrote almost two full chapters since then. So like a super happy that I hit a wall and moved through it. Breakthroughs, keep yep. going, just chipping at it. That's amazing. Yeah, I feel I love, really good now. <laughs> right? Don't you love when those like late night thoughts, those late-ish, well, for me, it's late-ish because I go to bed super early. Yeah. Um, but like those late night thoughts are helpful and not just garbage. Not just garbage, on, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I have that too, where you type the random thing in your phone. You're like, I don't know what this means. I thought I was great at 2 a.m. <laughs> She uses the power of bacon. I do not understand. (laughs) Thanks for listening to another episode of Basic Pitches. And thanks for tuning into this bonus episode that fits in beautifully with our Finding Joy segment about keep going. You can find Susan Crispell's The Holloway Girls anywhere where books are sold and be on the lookout for their next book coming next year. I'm sure if you follow them on our social media in the link, you will get the first news of it. Bye.